Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is Thomas Frank Carr. I am Jim Galante. Ready for another week of Penn State football discussion. T. Frank, we're into August. Training camp is starting. We are getting close, aren't we? Yeah, it's here. Uh, you know, by the time you're listening to this show, most likely we've already been to training camp. We've gotten some information. We've gotten some observations. Probably not many, but uh, it's exciting that all of this is happening and it's happening right now. So get yourself ready for football. There's something in the air earlier this week that just like, you know, we had that really hot spell and then bam, on Monday it was cool. And there was a little bit of football in the air and it got me super excited. I'm, I'm locked in for the season, ready to go. Well, the timing is good that we're wrapping up the summer, getting ready for training camp because we are wrapping up your series of better or worse. This is where we take a look at every position group on the team. And you're going to tell us whether they are better or worse than they were last season. So the three groups we have left to go, it's on the offensive side of the ball. We have quarterbacks, we have offensive line, and we have tight ends. Tell you what, T. Frank, Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you determine the order we go in. Where do you want to start? Let's start with tight ends. I always like to build the crescendo, and I think everyone wants to talk about offensive line and quarterbacks. So let's start uh, with the tight ends, and then let's get to the big, you know, the Big ticket items in the middle of the show and to end the show. So we'll have the big finish. Let's talk tight ends. You know, it was interesting at the Big Ten Media Day, James Franklin pointed to Tyler Howe, the tight ends coach, and what a great job he has done. And that has been the case. Last season, this was a position at tight end. They were three deep and played all three of those tight ends, that was a pretty good group last year that we're going to be comparing to, T. Frank. Yeah, so the the bar is set pretty high. Now, the the issue for them (laughs) was actually consistency, which is a carryover from the 2021 season. As good as they are, and as talented as they are, some of the areas uh, of production came and went throughout the season. Now they ended very strong and that's how we remember things is how they end, not necessarily the whole journey, but let's not forget uh, Theo Johnson and uh, Tyler Warren, both injured at one point last season, especially early on. And Tyler Warren, I think struggled out of the gate. Um, I I don't necessarily know if he is a perfect fill in for Theo Johnson, which is what he was doing earlier in the season. I, I think he's more of an H back. And but his body type could go either way. You know, he's he's six foot six. He's long, uh, maybe not as long uh, as some of the the freakazoids Penn State's had at the position. But um, you know, just a big bodied guy that it could be a good run blocker, could be a good receiver, but seems to be more of an H back. So I'm interested to see how he performs this year. Given that I, I imagine he's going to be filling in for Brenton Strange in that particular role. So how the dynamics of that room with these two young, talented players shake out. I almost call them young again. They are not young anymore. These are the guys that are stepping up to prime time um, uh, in, in what should be Theo Johnson's final season at Penn State in terms of, uh, you know, he should be an NFL player 
by this time next year. So uh, they have a high ceiling because the talent is still there. But last year, by the end, the floor was pretty high as well, as you pointed out. And we had Brenton Strange, who was the number one last year. I thought he had an exceptional season, and it wasn't only catching the ball. As I've pointed out several times on our show, it seemed like almost every time you saw Nick Singleton with the big run, it was Brenton Strange doing getting that big block that broke him open. So now you go from Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson to Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren as that top two. Explain a little bit about the roles, the different roles they'll uh, take on and what skill sets they have to fill those roles. Yeah, and that's kind of what I kind of discussed uh, to open here is Tyler Warren has a bit of an interchangeable sort of skill set, but uh, the talent and, and what they're good at is going to dictate what uh, Penn State does. Now, I'm a huge fan of Brenton Strange. I thought his game was really well-rounded, and he allowed them to do some things that they had struggled at previously because of his ability to uh, execute certain blocks. So one of their schemes last year that really evolved and was was pretty good by the end of the season is their pin and pull, uh, where you're you're pulling offensive linemen out into space, but you need somebody to set the edge, to down block, and to to seal the defensive end in so that it doesn't bubble and the running back doesn't get tackled for a loss. When Brenton Strange was that guy, when he was the guy sealing the edge, they had success. Um, you know, and, and then the right tackle combination there on a couple of plays between him and Bryce Efter was really good by the end of the year. I guess the, the thing that I struggle with is, uh, is Theo Johnson up to that? Is that going to be him or is it going to be Tyler Warren? Because conversely, when, when Theo Johnson had to seal the edge, it, it did not go as well, even though he's a bigger, uh, you know, heavier defense, uh, tight end going up against that defensive end. He struggled to maintain his gap discipline and to really seal off that edge. But there were other areas he was good in as well. So he was able to block out in space. He became kind of a bully out on the edge by the end of the season. Penn State used their screen game really effectively because of him, uh, Warren, and uh, and Strange. So there's a lot of different avenues this offense can go down, I guess is what I'm saying. From a run perspective, they can do a lot of different things. Brenton Strange, I thought, had a knack for pulling. And that's where you're talking about, I think, from that Auburn game and some of the times you saw this year where he was pulling from that backside either in a counter or in a in a zone system where he's sealing off the uh, unblocked defender on the backside. So th- there were some things that he was good at that Penn State took advantage of. And Mike Yersich, as we've talked about, is a good offensive coordinator. So he's not going to just plop Tyler Warren in that role and say, hey, do this. He's going to go, what is, what is he good at? What is Theo Johnson good at? And we're going to try and put them in situations to do those things. Now, there will be times when they're asked to do uh, to block in situations where maybe they're not the most proficient. And that's the areas of growth I'm interested to see from this group, because I don't think it's a I don't think it's a done deal that they're going to be as good of a run blocking unit from the tight end position this fall. Although, again, Theo Johnson really took a step last year at the end of the season. But we've seen we've seen these guys take a step before and then kind of regress. There, for some reason, there was a summer slide for these guys the last couple of years. Uh, and, and probably injuries have something to do with that in training camp. So I just want to see where Theo Johnson is before we really get into 
here's what they're going to do. Here's how they're going to block things. And here's what the schemes they're going to major in now that they have this different personnel at that tight end position in their 12 packages. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see. And the last thing I'll say is that I am expecting Theo Johnson to be good because uh, I saw some photos of him recently. He like it is getting crazy how uh, big he is. Like he is turning into one of those monsters in terms of he's running super fast and he is just thick and filled out everywhere. So I do expect a big season from him. And, uh, and it just goes to show you that guys will take their own time in order to get to the point where they're ready to break out. Theo Johnson, highly rated four-star uh, tight end prospect early in his career, but it took him a while to transition to this position. And really, the light came on last year. I am expecting a big season from him, but I do want a little bit of confirmation before it happens, before I, you know, you know, I said full steam ahead on Theo Johnson being a complete tight end. A year ago, T. Frank, we saw a lot of two tight end and even three tight end sets. You mentioned Mike Yursich's name, and I think the reason why we saw that is they had two and three tight ends talented enough to be on the field and maybe not so much with the wide receivers. So now the question is this year, do they have a third tight end who's good enough that he demands getting on the field? Again, a week ago, James Franklin went out of his way to mention Khalil Dinkins as taking yeah. those steps, and he could be a breakthrough guy. What do you say? I would say that it's great to have three tight ends. I don't want to be majoring in 13 personnel. Like I just, I, I'm not interested in playing that sort of football all season long if I'm Penn State. Really, you want to have the flexibility and and great offenses like. I say, I say this, let me, let me, let me zoom all the way out here for just one quick second to kind of paint this, what my point here, you don't need to be elite at every single position to win a national championship. You just have to have answers at every single position. You can't have glaring weaknesses. So Penn State can run three tight ends. Can they run three receivers? That's what that that's where we need to find out that answer to how many tight ends they're going to use versus how many receivers. Cause certain games, yeah, they will go heavy into 12 personnel. They'll bring a third tight end on the field. They'll do all of that stuff. But to be dynamic and complete, it's really that receiver position that they need to figure out. And they need to figure out a couple of them through training camp and battles of maybe not top line starters exactly, but that too deep of where are we strong? So to answer your question, going all the way back now to zoom all the way into tight end. Yeah, they do have three tight ends that they can use and utilize throughout the season. Khalil Dink Dinkins, you mentioned James Franklin talked about him. He said maybe midseason, you know, four games, five games into the season, a guy that we're going to be talking about much more than we are now or early in the season about somebody who is the next guy in line to be a part of that tight end tradition, uh, making some big plays. He's a great receiver. And from everything that we've heard, he's gotten bigger and stronger and he's more of a complete tight end and not just a big receiver that catches passes. So he's got that vertical explosiveness that's probably, you know, just from his body type and the way he runs uh, closer to Theo Johnson, as, uh, but maybe an all around receiver. I don't know. They've had a guy that has that sort of quickness. Um, and we'll have to see what he's done this offseason to, to be that complete tight end and how his game has morphed. But um, that blocking side is really where I'm curious as to to see what he is and what he's becoming, because he's another guy that could be a great H back and could, you know, be a mobile blocker that can go and, and kick guys out and, and, and 
pull and do all those things a little bit like Brenton Strange. So I'm interested to see how his full game has developed for sure. Okay, we have less than a minute. Are they going to be better or worse than they were last season, T. Frank? The ooh, um, I'm going to go with they're going to be better because I think the production and the explosive production from Theo Johnson, as long as he's healthy, will be better. So he's just got a higher ceiling as the lead tight end. Nothing against Brenton Strange. I just mentioned how much I love Brenton Strange. I, I just think that the 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 highlights and, and the headlines are going to be there for him this year as where Brenton Strange was doing a lot of dirty work and was that complete tight end in the background. So he's going to be more in the foreground, which is going to make it seem like it's better this year. And we just need Theo Johnson to be healthy, start to finish on the season yeah. so that he could reach that level. All right, T. Frank, that's it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, well, it's going to be T. Frank's choice again. Do we go offensive line Oof. or quarterback? Stick around and find out. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, we've been going through our series, Better or Worse, for each position group for Penn State. We had three position groups left today on offense to get through quarterback, tight end, and offensive line. We did tight end. We have offensive line left and quarterback left. We're going to do one of them now in quarter two, the other one in quarter four after we do Ask T. Frank. Again, I'll give you the choice. Which way are we going? I'm not good at fake drum rolls, so I won't do one, but we will have a moment of suspense here after this sentence before we I announce what we're doing. Are you ready? Ready. Offensive line. <laughs> okay. Offensive line. I had a feeling you were going to save quarterback for last. That's the one we're all interested in hearing what you have to say. But also, I always say this. At Penn State, we are probably the fan group that talks about offensive line more than any 
college fan group in the country. Okay. And that in I, defensive tackle. Yes. Yes, we do that too, don't we? <laughs> we had to have our weekly mention of defensive tackles. I had to get it in. And that's a foreshadowing before we get to ask T. Frank, because we're always confident we'll have a defensive tackle question. But let's get to the offensive line here. There were actually some good signs that we saw a year ago, and that was despite the fact, T. Frank, that there were several injuries on the offensive line. Whenever you get injuries, obviously it's an issue, but you also find out what kind of depth you have. Yeah, and that depth and getting into that depth has created optimism for Penn State this year. Um, And that's part of the answer where you've got those young guys that were freshmen or, you know, uh, J.P. Nelson was a JUCO transfer last year. Now they've been in in the program for a year. And so these guys in that class of 2022 that we see budding difference makers in that group butting up against the veterans uh, on the offensive line. And there's not an open competition at every single position. Like, I don't think that you're going to come into the training camp and Drew Shelton's going to be pushing to be a co-starter with Olu Fashini. Like, I don't see that happening. I don't even see that happening at right tackle with Caden Wallace. But you do have genuine competition, especially on the interior, where I do think you're going to see guys splitting reps, especially at the guard positions. So that is creating something that Penn State hasn't had under James Franklin, which is a legitimate pressure on starters to perform at a complete level where there's somebody who can take their job behind them. Uh, It's not going to happen at every position. It might only happen at one, but it is going to be a factor in training camp. So that youth has led to some optimism, obviously, along with Vashinu coming back and, and playing that most important left tackle position um, as a potential All-Pro, um, All-American this year. I've already put him in the NFL, calling him an All-Pro. All-American, excuse me. Well, T. Frank, I'm glad you mentioned Fashionu because that is also the big news for Penn State offensive line. It's not just about depth. It's also about the high end. And the fact that Fashionu, who probably was a first-round pick last year, chose to come back finishes collegiate career so you not only have depth on the offensive line you've got an anchor a star at left tackle that's huge for this offensive line group yeah and it's huge for the quarterback you know to have somebody who you believe is going to have your back literally on every single passing play it's a night and day situation when you have that left tackle position and you feel confident about it because Penn State's had opportunities in the past, right, to to push Ohio State in games. And going back to 2021 and you, you had I just there's this there's this moment when Sean Clifford throws the interception and Rasheed Walker gets beat clean and you see him pantomime throw it throw. And then Sean Clifford throws the ball early into an interception. If, you know, Olufashin who's out there and there's not that pressure what happens? So it is like anecdotally, but also factually having a left tackle is super important to creating stability on the offensive line. However, I would say the offensive line is not going to look a whole lot different because I'm still expecting Caden Wallace to be the starting right tackle and both tackles need to be good enough. That's the thing is like, it's not just about the left tackle. In modern football, both players are really, really important on obvious passing situations because we've seen 
Ohio State's not going to just put their best defensive end on the on the blind side and rush them from there. We've seen everybody from the Bosa's to to Lamoliao to to um, Chase Young rushing off that right side, the offensive right side. So you just them, just that one particular team that kind of shows you you need to have that balanced offensive pass blocking situation. And the right side to me is still a question mark in pass blocking situations. Salim Wormley and Caden Wallace struggled especially on stunts last year when the defensive linemen switch gaps and you get a surprise guy rushing inside you've got to be able to communicate you've got to be agile enough to pass those off and pick those up and and the angles created by those things can cause certain guys problems and neither of those guys that you see at those positions as the kind of penciled in starters they're not excellent high-end athletes like Fashanu and the guys on the left side so there's still some things to learn on that side, but overall, the pass blocking situation with Hunter Norzad, Tengwall, JB Nelson, part of the conversation, uh, and we'll get to some guys uh, a little bit down the depth chart in just a bit, but you do feel better with that group overall than you have uh, in the past when it was basically a very thin layer of starters and then a whole lot of questions after that. First of all, speaking for all Penn State fans out there, T. Frank, I want to thank you for painting those nightmare pictures from Ohio State games for us. Thank you. Uh, let's talk You're about that, that right tackle position a little bit. Your feeling is Drew Shelton probably will not overtake Caden Wallace. It'll still be Caden Wallace over there, and we still have some questions over there at right tackle. Yeah, I think fans got a little too excited about what, Drew Shelton was last year. Uh, he was a true freshman that played and didn't cause the team to lose games. Um, so, you know, and he flashed great moments of being, you know, the the guy he's going to be once he figures it out and he's not, his head isn't spinning in in the game. And he did, for the most part, keep his head above water. So, like, that's all a great baseline. But it didn't really go well this spring when they moved him over to the right side to see if he could be that swing tackle. So he is primarily going to be a left guy, and I don't think he's even really part of the conversation. Right now, James Franklin mentioned they they tried him over there, and it didn't quite work. It didn't feel like he could handle it. So it's going to be a mix of players at that fourth tackle position with uh, J.B. Nelson being the guy that is former tackle at the JUCO level has the athleticism to play on the outside, but is better suited at guard. He might kind of be moonlighting between the two positions, getting playing time behind Wallace and Tengwall. Cause I don't, I don't see him as fully overtaking Landon Tengwall, um, but he will play this year. I think he's, he's going to be too good to keep off the field. So there is not really a competition at that right tackle position. As much as I said, there's depth and competition and there's depth and talent. It's not at that one position, but we have heard, and this is the problem that I have with, uh, Caden Wallace, we've heard he's had one of his best off seasons. He's really turned a corner. The light has come on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Heard a lot of the th same things before last season where he was saying all the right things, working on the things he needed to work on in terms of flexibility and his ability to, to open up and, and get into his past sets. And, you know, he got injured in week eight. So that kind of changed what we perceived of him. But in those big situations, he was the same guy. And and I don't want to, you know, I'm rooting for somebody who's self-aware and trying to get better. I just, I'm not going to predict that that's going to happen until he shows me those things. So again, kind of, the, there's two sides of this. They're going to be the same offensive line they were last year for the most part, but they also have the potential to be much, much better 
with all of their starters healthy, which was not the case last year. Let's go to the interior, and I'm going to lump it all together. Left guard, Landon Tangwall, I'm curious you said that you thought J.B. Nelson um, may push him. At center, you have Hunter Norzad moving over from guard. Right guard, you've got Sal Warmly, who I think many of us think is going to be pushed by uh, Ioane. Tell me about the interior. Yeah, let's start over there because I do want to talk about the positive first, and that is uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil Troutwine, Penn State's offensive line coach, called Vega Ioane a future NFL guy. Like He's going to be an NFL guy for sure. So redshirt freshman getting that sort of praise from a former uh, NFL offensive lineman, yeah, that's a really good place to be. So does Salim Wormley hold him off from his, you know, veteran savvy and and all those things? And and I I talked to um, Wormley during Bowl Media Day last year, and it was really interesting. He he came into the football. He didn't really like football. He was good at football. So once he was in a position to be a starter, then he started taking like the you know I, I'm gonna not just rely on my athleticism, but I'm gonna really study the game and get better. Like those tendencies, he's got to double down because he's got a guy behind him who are who who is exceptionally talented. And from Yuani's perspective, if he from the mental side is able to shorten that learning curve to where he's a dependable player, it's going to be very hard to keep him off the field. Let's skip into center quickly, because I, I feel like I have to defend Hunter Norzad every single day on the Internet. Hunter Norzad was injured last year. So he is not Eric Wilson. And again, no disrespect to Eric Wilson, but Hunter Norzad is a bigger, more physical, more explosive player. He's not Vega, but he is a very athletic player. He was injured during the Ohio game, ankle, knee, leg, something lower body, right? And when Landon Tangwell went down, he was forced to come in the lineup and start the rest of the season while injured. So what you saw from him last year is an incomplete picture of what he's going to be. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Juice Scruggs, but he's not as he's not as I don't want to say weak as he was last year because he was injured. He's playing on one leg. Um, And then, of course, we go over to the left guard position and same thing. Where is Lennon Tangwall in his recovery? Not from the injury, but his progress towards what we saw his freshman season, where he is on that, what he's been able to do this offseason to recover is going to determine whether or not he is a standout or a good player. And I just don't know because I don't know the information of his his injury or his rehab status. But J.B. Nelson is going to be part of the conversation. So they've got four guards that are going to play at whatever position you want to put them on. That is a really great sign for the Nittany Lions. Even if you'd like one of those guys to be a tackle, having two extra depth linemen on the interior, you feel really good about that. And as we saw, offensive linemen get nicked up. That depth is important. All right, T. Frank, better or worse than last season? Let's be optimistic and say that they're going to be better because they're going to not have such bad injury luck. I'm excited to see Fashinu and Tangwall play next to each other. I've wanted to see it for two years now. We, I, I feel we're going to get that. And then I think Vega Ioane is going to be another guy by week five we're talking about more. Difference makers up front can make up for mistakes. I'll say they're, they're going to be better this fall. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter two. Stick around. Quarter number three. We're going to take your questions, and we're going to ask T. Frank. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. That means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions We ask them of T. Frank at the end of the segment. T. Frank will pick out the best question. Whoever that best question belongs to will win the prize pack from our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. That's where you go to get all your great barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, Bloody Mary mix. You want a barbecue? You go to 409tailgateclub.com. And if you want to ask T. Frank a question, here's how you do it. Just download our app. Keystone Sports, wherever you get your apps, you'll see there's the Ask T. Frank button, and there you go. And by the way, those of you who have had our app for many years, you may want to um, reload it. We've make, we're making some changes to the app. We're going to be enhancing it over the next couple weeks, so please go there. Before we get started with our questions, I know, T. Frank, you wanted to make one more comment about the offensive line that we were dealing with in quarter number two. Yeah, so this is something that I think is, I've been mulling this over when it comes to offensive line and offense in general, uh, and and the, the value of run and pass plays. Even offenses that throw the ball a lot, it, not all pass plays are made equal. If the defense knows what's coming, it's easier to get pressure. So talk about the the Michigan offensive line last year. I, I described them as like they're a good unit, but I wouldn't say that they're bulletproof across the board. They had some players that were not great in pass protection when they were exposed to third and 10 and everyone knew they had to throw the football. The thing is they weren't put in that position a whole lot because they were consistently getting four and six yards in the ground on the first and second down. That's, I think, the the conversation around the Penn State offensive line this fall is they're going to be very good at running the football and they're not 
it, you know, all things going well, they're not going to be exposed. Caden Wallace isn't going to be put in a position where it's third and 12, and he's got to hold up for three and a half seconds against the defensive end. Penn State is going to be in more third and five, third and seven manageable situations. That, I think, is a reasonable expectation for this offense. The other thing is the running game in college can make the offensive line look really good. 2021, Penn State had 13 explosive run plays, according to PFF. That is of 15 yards or more. Nick Singleton had 18 on his own last year. So they looked a lot better because when they gave an opportunity to the running back, he took full advantage. They're going to have that again this year. Now, they made the, the question is stacking the box. Can the running backs in the offensive line overcome everyone knowing that it's coming? And that's where three receivers and that whole thing kind of melds in together of saying, okay, now we're going to be more unpredictable because we're going to have all these offensive personnel formations that is going to make it challenging for you to stack the box. So that really brings it full circle back to the conversation about receivers and 12 personnel and tight ends. So I just wanted to to clean that up and, and kind of give that perspective of the offensive line and what their trajectory for being good looks like next year. They don't have to be complete. They just have to be, have to have answers at every position. And it also points out on the offensive side of the ball, so many of the pieces complement each other. The running game helps the offensive line. It helps your passing game also if uh, defenses have to focus on that. All right, let's get to our questions. Let's yep. start with Matt in Massachusetts. He says, in your opinion, what are the top sins of scouting? You could name as many as you like. P.S. T. Franks Franks, make it happen, please. P.P.S. Also from last week's questions about improved food at the stadium. I'm throwing my hat for the food upgrade to Beaver Stadium. How about 409 Tailgate Club barbecue chicken pizza using their barbecue sauce and coffee rubs for the chicken? There you go. Matt has some food suggestions also, T. Frank. Let's get back to scouting. What sins do you see that most scouts or many scouts make? Um... So I, I want to make this clear. I, I I do talent evaluation, you know, for Blue White Illustrated. Um, I am not a professional scout in terms of like I have not been hired to do so uh, by any college or or scouting service. I feel I know what I'm talking about. I feel like I've I've exhibited that over time, but I don't ever want to presume like professionalism. I would say the thing that made me do this is because. I saw too many TV scouts or too many people telling me about football players that just pointed to the biggest football player, the biggest, strongest, fastest guy. I call it EST syndrome. We want to know who the biggest, the fastest, the strongest is. Those are very important things, but you can't let them override positional skill and a complete athletic profile. Um, I forget the, the Steelers receiver they drafted in the mid-2000s, I think in the second or third round from Auburn. Forget his name, but he was a freight train in terms of he was fast. He was big. He was great in a straight line, but football's not played on train tracks. You've got to be able to run routes. And, you know, you didn't see that from that guy ultimately washed out of the league because you were overvaluing the uh, the size and, you know, the the kind of make your eyeballs go wide traits. And to me, that's always been the thing I've rejected is don't just look at those things. When you find the guy that is a complete player, Go Gaga over it, right? Like that's that's the great thing. The Calvin Johnson, the the of the world, the JJ Watt, the oversized athlete. 
That's super great. But the oversized athlete, not the giant person that runs fast in a straight line. I have, uh, I think, a little less tolerance for that than some other people might. Very good, T. Frank. Let's get to Leslie in Newmarket, Maryland, who says, Hey, T. Frank, enjoy your discussions on strategy and film breakdown and thought you might be able to provide interesting insight for this question. I think James Franklin's an excellent CEO and coach for Penn State. His hires lately have been phenomenal, and I don't think he gets enough credit for them. It seems, though, that our offense and now defensive philosophy totally changed with Yursic and Diaz. Is it fair that Franklin's philosophy is to step back and give his coordinators free reign to design their offense and defense, or are there underlying principles that are the same now as it was under Pry, Moorhead, Sharaka, etc.? Thank you for your insight. That is a very great question. There are a thousand layers to that that we're not going to be able to get to, so I'm going to try and hit as many bullet points as I can remember here quickly. The first thing is, James Franklin, I said this before, and I think you're right, Leslie, uh, he is he is very good at, at, at identifying talent, not just on the field, but also coaching talent. They've had a lot of guys come through that have gone on to become coordinators or, or head coaches elsewhere. So he's got a good eye for talent. Manny Diaz's defense is built off the same foundations as uh, Roof and Pry. Like they're, they're from the same family, just a different spin on it with more aggression. And James has said this before, and, and his coordinators have said this before, is there's things we're going to do. There's things that Franklin dictates of, I want this in our offense. I don't want you to tr- stray too far, maybe into some of your own weaknesses. So we're going to have, these are Penn State ways to play. But within that structure, you do you. And that's exactly right. So there's there. this is a conversation that we've had, and I've asked him about many times in terms of philosophy. And And again, I'll say this that I've repeated on the show before. I agree with James Franklin's structural philosophy of how he wants to play and where he wants to focus and be good. Explosive plays, turnovers, um, you know, havoc plays on defense and, and just focusing on those things and creating as many points as possible. So there are areas that Mike Yersich is different than other places from Joe Moorhead or whomever, but the goal for all of these guys is explosive plays. I'd even say Kirk Shiraka was similar and he wanted to create explosive plays by drawing as many players into the box as possible. And then RPO play action, big shots on offense, how you get there is different each time, but the goal is the same. The problem with Shiraka was multi-layered, obviously the pandemic coaching, not having contact with players, but also I do think he was a little bit farther away from what James Franklin wants to be. And that hire was, couldn't get Mike Yersich. You know, they couldn't get the guy and the style they wanted. And Mike Yersich, I think the receiver problem has augmented what they would have been originally, but they found this new and unique offense, and maybe not unique, but this new avenue of growth for Penn State and James Franklin to incorporate more 12 personnel, to incorporate more consistent running of the football, to create, um, you know, the, the explosive plays in the passing game. It's a, it's a harder route. Let me just say that again. What every old school fan, what every Michigan offense wants to be of that ground and pound, it is so much harder to do that because you've got to be excellent at run blocking. I said in the, in the offensive line section of the show, great players up front can, can mask for mistakes, 
but you've got to have five guys in sync that are to, to perfectly block a run play that happens maybe three times a game. And then if chance gets involved and the running back falls over, you're, it doesn't matter. So like a passing play and, and just fundamentally it's, you gain more yards on average. You have a higher percentage chance of getting explosive plays in the passing game, but there are, there's a lot of value to creating a balanced attack, which is what Penn State has the potential for this upcoming season. I agree with you that uh, James Franklin has an overriding principles that he wants to see on both sides of the ball. But where I give Mike Yurcich a lot of credit for is adapting to his talent. And not yeah. all coordinators are willing to do that. Uh, let's see, T. Frank. David from Lancaster says, is there a player on Penn State that you enjoy watching on film that does things that the average fan wouldn't realize watching the game on TV. Can I give a historical one? Because the first guy that comes up sure. to mind is Ellis Brooks. Ellis Brooks was so awesome to watch play football because he adapted his game in the middle of the season because he broke his hand and he couldn't stack and shed the same way. So he turned into, I think Mike Hall did this a lot of like just slipping blocks with quickness and athleticism, just dipping under and, uh, and getting around guys. And that was really impressive to watch. He just was a really smart football player. You know, I think athletically, everyone knows what he was, but he maximized 100% of his potential. And I respect guys like that. That's really what, you know, what I love watching is guys that are playing ahead of the curve. And when they combine that with athleticism, it is super fun to watch. And I'll just throw in Chop Robinson because everyone knows he's good. But if you're not watching him when he's not getting a sack, like he beat so many tackles last year and was just a hair's breadth away from getting to the quarterback. I'm very excited to see what he can do this year. So, you know, just the underrated part of Chop Robinson not getting a hit on the quarterback. That's always fun to watch, too. All right, let's slip one in real fast. Daryl from Harrison City. What's going on with the recruitment of Anthony Saka? Seems like he hasn't been on campus in a year. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to update there, uh, unfortunately. That is, that's something that our, our Blue White Illustrated recruiting reporters can tell you about. But um, obviously, Saka is an interesting player. He's a legacy, uh, I believe, and, and you know he's going to be part of the, the conversation, but I don't really have it in any sort of updated information on that for you. And that is it for quarter number three, and ask T. Frank, stick around. Quarter number four, we talk quarterbacks, and we also name our winner. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. It's quarter number four of our show. So, T. Frank, we've got to take care of a little bit of business before we move on. We just completed Ask T. Frank. You need to name a winner. Who's it going to be? Leslie asked a question that I could have done a whole show on. And actually, we have done whole shows on my show about that particular question of the underrated parts of James Franklin as as a talent evaluator from a coaching perspective and how the whole structure works and how being a head coach works. And one thing we didn't even get to is, most head coaches are the CEO type because there's too many things off the field that pull you away from your job. Uh, somebody at Big Ten Media Day, I forget who it was. Uh, I believe it was Big Ten Media Day. One of the media days. One of the coaches said most of your time is spent doing off the field stuff. So uh, a great observation by Leslie. So that's going to be our winner for today. All right, Leslie, we will be getting in touch. And T. Frank, we have now been together probably long enough that we think alike. After we did Leslie's question, I was thinking the same thing. We could do a show on this, and I'd actually like to. So unless something else comes up for next week, that may be the route we take. Thank you for the idea, Leslie. You earned your prize. All right, T. Frank, we've been doing better or worse. Your uh, series looking at each position group for Penn State and deciding whether they will be better or worse this season as compared to last year. And we say probably the most interesting one for last, and that is the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anywhere else there's going to be such a contrast. We had Sean Clifford last year who had been on campus for six years. Seems like more. He was the veteran. He had a couple good seasons surrounding two not-so-good seasons, at least as far as uh, team results. Then you have this very highly rated uh, commitment out of high school by the name of Drew Aller, who sat behind Sean Clifford last year. The contrast could not be any greater, could it? Yeah, and that's what, you know, when you have contrast, you have lights and darks, which means you have shadows. And in the shadows is where the answer is. And I don't think anybody knows what the answer is. I don't think James Franklin, I don't think Drew Aller knows what the answer of is really going to be. So what I did is I tried to go find comparisons guys starting in their sophomore season or their first year starting, uh, for a college football program. And I can, I I compared him and I I went up and I looked trace McSorley's first year starting statistics, Sean Clifford's in 2019. I also, you know, threw in Sean Clifford's from last year, but also drew Aller being a five-star quarterback. He is on a different level. So I went and I looked up uh, since 2018, the top three quarterbacks in uh, each recruiting class and then how they did their second year uh, on campus. Some of them started, some of them didn't. Um, So there's some varying degrees, but there is some consistency throughout these five star top three in the class passers, which we can get into today. And it really doing that changed my opinion of what Drew Aller and our expectations should be this year. Well, tell us about that comparison. Now, I did 
uh, a while back, maybe a couple years back, I looked up all the very highly rated five-star or top 100 players as quarterbacks. And T. Frank, I was surprised in doing that historical perspective at how many guys, sure things were not sure things. Yeah. What did you find in looking at these guys over the last couple of years? A couple of interesting things. Uh, the first is that it seems to be pretty consistently when you look at a trio of these top passers, and I, I fudged a little bit in the class of uh, 2021 because I wanted to bring in Drake May as well, who was not one of the top three passers in the consensus industry ranking, but was an obvious we have to add him uh, into this into this class because he, he was fourth. And, and so, you know, that kind of that kind of manipulates the data a little bit, but I went just kind of through blunt tools, not sophisticated stuff, passing yards, touchdowns, interception and passer rating. And what I found is for the most part, two of the three guys hit every year as sophomores or second year starters where they throw for nearly 3000 yards, um, 30 plus touchdowns and a passer rating over 100. And really, that's kind of the, the end conclusion is if you're a five-star quarterback, you're either one of the guys or maybe you're not. And, and we missed on you as, as a prospect, which is just how it goes. Like certain guys, uh, the, that that leap between high school and college where you have to be an advanced player at the position and not just an athlete and not just a guy that can you know mimic it in passing drills and camps and things like that. You have to go on the field and do it regularly with your mind and with your arm. Not everyone's built to do that. Um, the other thing is, you know, trying to I tried to get as no, a big enough of a, a set of information so that we can account for talent around the player. But it is undeniable that we've got a lot of quarterbacks that have been uh, trained by um, uh, uh, USC head coach. Now, help me out here. I'm blanking on his name very quickly. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. Thank you. Lincoln Riley. Very quarterback friendly system. And then there's a lot of Alabama and Clemson on the list as well uh, that you might, might, might expect Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. They, they dominate this list. But there, Drake May is another great example of a player that Penn State should compare Drew Aller to in his second year because similar situation of talent around him, a good receiving core at, at North Carolina, but not five stars everywhere, not high four stars everywhere. A couple of really good receivers, but overall the offense flowed through him and he was the difference maker. And last year he threw for 4,200 yards, 37 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 109 passer rating. So from a box score statistic, I think we should expect more. We should expect better from Drew Aller to get to, to you know, 30 touchdowns and 3,000 yards. And that's where Trace McSorley, different offense, and this is another important factor of different offense with Joe Moorhead. It was a spread offense. They were very run heavy, but in 2000, or pass heavy, excuse me, they were in 2016. He threw for 3,600 yards, 29 touchdowns, eight interceptions as Trace McSorley, the ultimate warrior three-star that overplays his, his recruiting ranking that doesn't have necessarily the tools of a Drew Aller. So, you know, if Drew Aller is the guy, He's going to be closer to the Caleb Williams and the Bryce Youngs and the CJ Strouds than he is the DJ Uyunglele or the Bo Nix. You know, that that's really what we have is a dichotomy of JT Daniels, who is still in college, by the way, in the, in the class of 2018. And then like Lawrence and Fields, who both threw for 3000 yards again, Fields at Ohio State. Um, Spencer Rattler's on this list before he moved to South Carolina with Lincoln Riley. These guys, even Rattler, even, even Rattler looking at what he did um, under Lincoln Riley, a really good first year. 
and again, we say, I think we can agree, Mike Yersich is a good offensive coordinator. He's a good offensive mind that's going to put the team in position to succeed. So even if this team runs through the running game, I do expect Drew Aller to be a prolific passer in a comparative sense to what we saw from Sean Clifford and from you know his comparative five-star players that you can compare him to. And T. Frank, you know, tying in some of our other conversations, I don't care how good Nick Singleton, Catron Allen are. I do not picture a Mike Yursich and a James Franklin offense being a ground and pound. They will still throw the ball. Yeah. So there will be those opportunities. But the other thing, as you po- were uh, talking about this, if you've got a quarterback playing at Ohio State or if it's at Alabama, uh, you know, Oklahoma or USC under Lincoln Riley, you've got such a good team around you. And because you're Ohio State, because you're Alabama, obviously you're going to get those very best quarterbacks also. But there's the team surrounding it. You alluded to it a bit, but just how comfortable are you that Penn State has built the talent on this offense for Drew Aller? (laughs) Uh, Fairly, fairly confident. Uh, (laughs) It's the the receiver position. Going back to everything we talked about during the show. Uh, It's not going to just come down to the receiver position, but you feel confident about the tight ends. You feel confident about the offensive line as long as they can continue to manage the ground attack and keep the team on schedule with Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. But last year, you you mentioned um, that Penn State and Franklin and Yurcich are not going to sit on their heels and, and be a ground and pound offense. When we really started to see this attack of how Penn State was defended last year was the Central Michigan game. They gambled a lot and went cover one and cover zero aggressive man coverages with either one safety or no safety deep as the deep defender. And Mike Yersich took that as an opportunity and an insult, I imagine, because in the second quarter of that game, they went aggressive down the field. They tried to attack that and and win. And the struggle was the receivers couldn't consistently get open. And when they, even when they did, they, you know, there were mistakes, drops, not getting your hands on the ball, not getting separation enough to create a good picture for the quarterback. And then the quarterback throwing slightly off target passes because he's being flushed or rolled intentionally from the pocket. And he wasn't proficient at throwing back across his body at times, you know, to receivers on the other side of the field. So there was just a number of things that happened in those situations that caused inefficiencies, despite the fact that they were attack, 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 attack. It got better as the season went on, but it was still a consistent problem that certain times they couldn't get open. Now, the majority of the same players are coming back in in, uh, Trey Wallace and Keandre Lambert Smith with an infusion of an Amari Evans and a Dante Cephas. Those four players, do you feel good that three of them can be consistently getting open? Two of them? All four of them? I don't know. That's that's what training camp is for. That's one of the biggest camp battles of the year is how is that uh, that Z position, especially with Amari Evans and Dante Cephas, with their relative strengths and weaknesses of, of Evans being an incredible athlete, showing some good physicality I didn't expect from him in, in the blue-white game, but then Cephas being the veteran and a good route runner even if he was running in an offense that was very three, four routes that he ran last year. Uh, and, and, you know, but he's got the ability to get open, separate and create space as a receiver. So how does that shake out? I don't know. I just don't know. 
And even with Trey Wallace, you got a guy that was explosive, shows a lot of talent, got to catch the football and run good routes. So there's, there's even with their starters and the guys that you feel confident about, there are some question marks. Let's get to it. You've got the first-year starter versus the fourth-year starter last year, T. Frank. Are we going to get better or worse at the quarterback position this year? So Sean Clifford threw for 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 103.7 NFL passer rating. That would make him comparable to Quinn Ewers, Jackson Dart from the 2021 class, comparable to Uyunglele, and Spencer Rattler, uh, Penn State can do better. Drew Aller can do better. And that is, again, that is not an insult to Sean Clifford. He's gone to the NFL. He's been doing good so far in training camp from everything I've heard. But if Drew Aller has all these talents and he is so poised and he is the guy, he's going to throw for more yards and more touchdowns, so they'll be better. Very good, T. Frank. That is it for our show. Sounds like it's going to be a better offense than it was a year ago. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.